Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Few Goodmen, where we talk about the movies of John Goodman. This uh, this week, we are going to be talking Streetcar Named Desire, the remake. Uh, of course, this is a Tennessee Williams play, and this is very, very much a play. Now, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop you right there because maybe this is getting too uh, you know maybe this is just getting too semantic. But I don't really think this is a as I don't think this is a remake. This is just a another another version of the play, like a uh, like yeah. a like a performance. Um, it's not. It's definitely not a remake of the classic 1951 um, famous movie version that everybody knows. But there's a bunch of versions of this. Um, actually, um, it's a very famous play. So yeah, it's a very famous play. Uh, I liked this version of it. Uh, Alec Baldwin plays Stanley, the Marlon Brando role. And like, okay, everybody knows that Baldwin isn't Brando, but he's still pretty good in this. Yeah, actually, I think I think he he is uh, like his performance because um, we'll get into this. We'll get into some of the other performances as we go but i feel like his performance is like it's good it's like a decent performance um like he's he doesn't do um he doesn't really slip into like a brando impersonation which is you know great um it's good yeah like there's uh like he didn't change the way people act forever with this performance in the same way that brando did in his but like he's still pretty good oh yeah um also, another great Stanley was uh, Ben Foster, um, who did it for the National Theatre in um, London a few years ago. But yeah, um, yeah. So when he's talking about this being a like, this is very much, it very much feels like a play. Like the very beginning of it, it uh, when you're seeing um, Blanche Dubois uh, arrive, it. It feels like you're on a set. It it, it, not, it never felt outside. Um, yes, that's true. And actually, uh, Alec Baldwin and is it Jessica Lang or Jessica Lange? Jessica you know Lange. Yeah. Jessica Lang and Alec Baldwin were in uh, a production of this play. And then they're like, let's just turn it into a movie. And then that's when they got Diane Lang and John Goodman. Yeah, that makes sense. Like I'm torn on the Jessica Lang performance. Um, I mean, okay, the shit. It's the real heavy lifting of this uh, of any production of Streetcar is Blanche Devois because Vivian Leigh, one of the most iconic performances of all time, the way she delivers that. So now, no matter what Jessica Lang does, is going to be the wrong choice. And she kind of chose to stick pretty close to Vivian Lang or Vivian Vivian Lay, and she does a pretty solid job. Well, the issue isn't even that. It's just that the issue is that like this character is written in a way that it's a real difficult. It's a real difficult part to play well. Um, because it's really, I feel like it'd be really easy to kind of like slip into hyperbole with some of the moments in it. Um, because there's a lot of like, you know, hysteria, um, and, and the way that there's like, a lot of opportunities to overact. 
but also at the same time, if you underact, um, it would become across even crazier uh, because of the things that she's saying as she's slowly slipping into this kind of mental collapse. Like, so first, first and foremost, if you're not familiar with the story of Streetcar Named Desire, like, go read it, watch any of the versions. Um, like I said, there's a really great version by The National that, that they filmed a couple of years ago. Uh, there's the 1951 famous version with uh, Brando, and then there's uh, apparently this... there's one in apparently there was one in 1984 as well. Oh, really? I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a, there was like even more than that because you know it's I'm pretty sure it's public domain um, at this point, and it's just also like I feel like if you were to say the ten most famous quotes from theater written in the last hundred and fifty years, the final line of this play is definitely one of those ten quotes. Like uh, is... I think that there's a few in here, though. There's also like Stella. Yeah, but that's barely a quote. I'm talking about like, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a famous moment, very famous moment, especially with like the torn shirt and that whole thing. But the um, I've always I've always relied on the on the kindness of strangers is such an iconic um, moment. Also, like such a good closing line. Oh, and you know what? Even though I. I I, like just in case, just in case, by the time we get to the end, like, I, you know, we forget. I forget. Like, that doctor character is such an interesting character to me because he's got like three lines in the entire play. He's in it for like five minutes, but he is like one of the first people to like show Blanche any like true kindness. Um, and it's so it's such, such a such a fascinatingly small but pivotal role. Uh, being like when he like when he holds out his arm, like to kind of like like escort her away, as opposed to like you know like a prisoner, more like a you know pre- pretending she's all like high class still, like in order to get her to come calmly. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. Like I really like this play, but it's also it's a it, it's it. There are parts of this play that have that are definitely of its time. That is for certain. Um, okay, well, like there's the one thing that I've never noticed until watching it this time, and it's that Blanche Dubois is creepy as fuck. <laughs> Man, okay, like, um, like Paperboy scene aside, like. She w- was having a thing with one of her students who was 17. Yeah, you didn't notice that before. That's like one of the biggest plot points. Um, yeah, also, I'd like to say that being a millennial, um, I'm pretty sure that you can relate to this, Mark. My first introduction to A Streetcar Named Desire was A Streetcar Named Marge. And I actually have this in, uh, in my notes here. I actually watched that episode last week. And I was like really thinking about what a great 
send up to Streetcar Named Desire that episode is. Because, like, first of all, the songs are actually really good. Like, the Streetcar Named Desire musical from The Simpsons, I would go see that musical because the songs are actually well written and fit really well into Streetcar. Um, I think that there's also some really good, smart parallels between Homer and Stanley. Yeah, except for the fact that, like, like, Stanley rapes um blanche you know spoilers yes um also um so like i was thinking about like in the how would they how would they do that in the musical when it was ned flanders um and you know marge um did they actually did they have did they have that scene in the musical also they did because like they were practicing yeah it. no but okay it's the confrontation right before the broken bottle but you never like they never show it now like and now this is ned rehearsing with marge pretending to rape her um well because that it was the 90s and it was prime time television. no that's what i'm saying is that like but the thing is is that when you're when you, they, you don't get to see the entire musical of course, you just see like little snippets, like um, the Paperboy song. Um, I am just a lonely paperboy. Also, the fact that like, yeah, Apu was too old to play that part. Um, Apu is definitely too old because the thing that I noticed in this scene, like in that scene, in this one, was just the way she emphasized the word young. Yeah, yeah. She's like a young young man and it's like oh no oh but before we get too far away from this we got to talk about the fact that um lionel hutz plays mitch mitchell um (laughs) i could see it but we never really see any of his scenes in the um the cut down version that is on uh, a streetcar named marge um, and Mitch Mitchell is played by John Goodman in this version. So uh, I don't know. I feel like, like, so when I was trying to remember who played who uh, from A Streetcar Named Marge, you know who I thought played Mitch Mitchell just based off of the character and everything else? Um, Clancy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see because it. Because he's it is in the script that Mitch Mitchell is like portly, but you know, he's, but he's working out um, and he's kind of, you know, kind of daft. So they get like, you know, <laughs> so Lionel Hutz doesn't make sense as. Uh, I, uh, I, 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 I really like Carl Malden in that role, but I think John Goodman did a really good oh, job. John of Goodman. Yeah. John Goodman is one of the, um, he shines in this movie. That's for sure. Um also, Diane Lane is so good in it as well. Um, everybody, everybody is great, but like Jessica Lang has a difficult role of Blanche because it's it's always difficult to tell the person who's playing Blanche is doing a good job um, because it's such... it's a very it's very difficult. It's a lot of emotions happening all at once that you have to project. But yeah, like I like uh, Jillian or Gillian. I don't actually know Anderson. Um, she did a really good job as Blanche Dubois in that version I was saying a moment ago. Um, 
yeah, it's such a weird play. Um, also, another version. It's not. It's not. It's not a streetcar named Desire, but it is a hundred percent a streetcar named Desire. Is Blue Jasmine. You know what? I've heard that. I've heard a few people say that those movies are really similar. But like that movie came out like after I was like, okay, I'm not doing the Woody Allen thing anymore. No, like it's like like so. Um, it's just in it's it's set in a different space, a different place. Um, uh, what's her name? Um, Kate Blanchett comes to stay with her sister and her her brother-in-law and she is on the verge of a mental breakdown and she starts drinking a bunch and then she starts dating uh one of her brother-in-law's friends but then she like they end up breaking up for one reason or another and then she has like a a complete mental breakdown and then there's all these secrets as to why she actually left new york um and then yeah it's just a hundred percent oh so he just he just ripped up because the weird thing is Woody Allen has like a whole chapter in his book about how much he loves a streetcar named Desire. So like kind of suspicious to like just rip off the plot of it and be like, this is a new thing. I, you know what? I don't actually know if he ever claimed it to be a new thing. I think it was just a streetcar. I think it was just an adaptation of a streetcar named Desire in the same way that like 10 Things I Hate About You is like, an adaptation of, I think, Othello and um, uh, Taming, of the, Taming of the Shrew. And, uh, or like how, um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou is the Odyssey. Like, I think it's just like, it's just another. Okay. I can. It's just yeah. another version of that. Um, and also, Kate uh, Blanchett is a, an amazing Dubois. That's not what her character is, but yeah, that's what her character is. Um, also, the um, the Mitch Mitchell role in uh, Blue Jasmine is played by real life sexual harasser um, Louis C.K. Okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, and it's uh, what's his name? Um, oh, you know who plays? Uh, you know who's actually? Even though I, I I'm I, you I'm gonna I'm looking it up right now because I can't think of his name right now. And when I say he's actually amazing in it know that this is genuine because I hate him. Is this, this a Stan, like, is this a Stanley-esque role, yeah, or the, is this character the, it's different? The, it's the quote-unquote Stanley role. Um, except I don't think he rapes her. Um, and it's played by Andrew Dice Clay. Really? Yeah, and he is really good in it. Um, that's bizarre. Also, Alec Baldwin's in it, which I just realized. <laughs> and actually, no, Mark, the, the problem here's here's the unfortunate thing about Woody Allen is that Blue Jasmine is a really good movie. Well, most Woody Allen movies are really good. Oh, yeah, and good. it's got such a good cast. Like, like, and it's Sally Hawkins who plays like the sister. And I really like Sally Hawkins. And it's uh, Michael um Stuhlbarg, he's in it, and Oh, yeah. A lot of really great people are in it. But yeah, anyway, that's not this movie. That's just another, uh, once again, another um, telling of this story. Oh, this story. Also, I don't know. Like, you said that this is one of your favorite plays, right? 
It is. I like that it's kind of about outdated thoughts on masculinity. Yeah, that's it's a hundred percent. That's all the movie is all this movie is about is is masculinity because like there's even this like scene that is very similar to um there I didn't I I was started connecting it with this other play called No Exit by um the French existentialist Jean Paul Sartre where they both I I think it's more just like. I don't know if he, I don't know if he was influenced at all by this play because it came out after, but because uh, um, it's these three characters in hell, and it turns out that one of them caused another one to. One of the reasons why one of the characters is in hell is because she killed her baby, and that caused her lover to kill himself. So that whole like causing your lover to kill himself situation um, comes up in this. Um, and apparently this one guy, uh, Blanche's husband kills himself when he is caught with a man. Um, yes, yes, that's, uh, I, I don't know. I don't remember if it was mentioned in this version, but I know that it was cut out of the 50. Oh, no, it's mentioned in this version. Um, it was this older gentleman that he had, um, they caught the two of them together, and then when they're at the dance, um, she tells him that he knows that she knows, and then he go he runs outside and shoots himself in the head. Um, yeah, and and it's the whole idea that like she discovered he was a degenerate, uh, either you know gay or bisexual or something like that, uh, and that's like the big plot point is the fact, and also whenever people find out that like. Um, that she was married to a degenerate, they immediately um, sympathize with her. Um, no one feels any sympathy for the guy who shot himself in the head because he was living a lie. Um, and it's it's also weird that it's not the only time that Tennessee Williams has used that as a plot point. Uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, that was like a huge plot point. The whole character between brick and his former partner i don't know that one i don't know i don't know i haven't read or seen that one actually um interesting it's uh yeah like it's a very similar theme so you i I, you can't help but wonder if like that's something that was that tennessee that was inside ten and granted i don't know much about the life of tennessee williams i could be saying something extremely obvious right now somebody who knows something about Tennessee Williams would be like, you sound like an idiot right now. But like, maybe that was something that was inside. So I just Googled Tennessee Williams sexuality. And the first thing that pops up, it's from Wikipedia, mind you, but still it says after some early attempts at relationships with women by the late 1930s, Williams began exploring his homosexuality. Um, In New York city, he joined a gay social circle that included fellow writer and close friend, Donald Winman and Winman's then boyfriend, Fred Melton. So I guess Tennessee Williams, I thought Tennessee Williams was gay. Yeah. Tennessee, Tennessee Williams was gay. Oh, okay. I had no idea, but that makes sense. But yeah. So, yeah. So, um, and also there's a lot of like, like the big, the big crime, aside from like seducing a 17 year old, nobody seems to be upset about the fact that um, uh, Blanche seduced a 17 year old. There, a lot of people seem to be upset that she has consensual sex with adults. 
Yeah, that's the like oh it's so dated when like I remember like him saying what she did and I was just like that's <laughs> it. And then he's like and then the 17 year old I'm like okay yeah you should have led with that cuz he was just like yeah she she was with lots of fellas. Lots of fellas know who she yeah. is. You go to that town, a lot of fellas will be like, oh, yeah, yeah, she knows some fellas. Yeah, she had sex with so many people, she got kicked out of the hotel that she was at. Um. <laughs> and it's like, oh, that makes her... And then, like, the, the, the Mitch hears this, and he's like, you're not clean enough to bring home to my mother. And it's like, dude. Yeah. Yeah, oh, man. But also, Mitch is yeah, a dick. But you know what? I wonder if this was. Do we, do we know? Do we know if this was the first um, John Goodman Louisiana role? No, because I also have that here in that he's doing like a, the New Orleans thing. Yeah, which makes sense because that's where it's set. He's not just like random, you know, random villain who has a New Orleans accent for no reason. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, Mitch Mitchell, he's this friend of, uh, you know, he's his friend of Stanley who ends up starting to date Blanche. And uh, she's all like, oh, I don't want to like, we can't move too fast. And then he finds out that she's had sex in the past and then he gets upset that because she had sex with other people, he wasn't having sex with her. Yeah, it's like a like at the time, I'm sure like that was a scandalous thing. But now you're like, she okay? And also, then and then and then he threatens to rape her. The, 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 Oh, right. The same night that she ends up getting raped by Stan. <laughs> Damn it, Mark. I don't understand what's with your connection. I don't. I was talking, and then I asked you a question. <laughs> okay, well, what was the last thing you heard me say? Well, I was the one talking. What was the last okay, thing you heard well... me say? You know what? I don't remember anymore. Uh, we were talking about Mitch and uh, Stanley's per- behavior towards uh, Blanche on a very, very unfortunate night. And I was saying oh, yeah. that. I was talking about how, like, yeah, Mitch threatened her the same night that um, Stanley um, assaulted her, which was the same night that Stanley's child was born. Very dark play. Not really uplifting if that's what you want to watch. Um, and then I ask you what Cat on a Hot Tin Roof was actually about. Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is about, uh, I mean, there's a lot of the same, like, backstory, like this husband and wife, and, like, the husband was in love with his partner who killed himself, uh, and there's a character named Big Daddy, and he thought he, and he had cancer, and it's his birthday, so the family has decided to tell him that for one day, like, he doesn't have cancer. The doctors say he's all cured. And then the next day, they're going to tell him he has cancer again, huh. which is a very bad idea. What a bunch and of apples. Then, and it's, it gets all Tennessee Williams from there. Yeah, jeez. 
Um, that's 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 dark. Yeah, yeah. I, Tennessee Williams, like even like all my sons, which was like a bit of an uplifting play at first, like ends up being like ends up with the guy being marched off to jail for like accidentally killing a bunch of kids, and it's like this dude has some fucking issues. Like, can't somebody throw a pie for Christ's sake? <laughs> oh, but yeah, this this play. Good old, good old Tennessee Williams. Um, yeah, who, who, are, what are some other uh, standout? Um, what are some other standouts from this adaptation? You think there, Mark? Oh, okay. So there's one difference between this and the movie adaptation, and this, like, I feel like this version was extremely uh, faithful to the source material. It was very, very faithful to the play. Yeah, whereas I think, the I think original. I think this is just the play. It is just the play, yeah. Whereas, like, the Brando version cut a few things. Yeah. And I think that the things that they cut were good. Like, I felt like this play could have, they could have cut 20, 25 minutes out of it, and we would have been all right. Because this is a two-hour and 40-minute long production. Yeah, yeah. And it, I don't know, like, I hate it when they unabridge plays for the film, and it's just like, no, 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 if I'm going to see a movie, you're not giving me a break, so cut it up a little bit, please. Yeah, but it's a movie. We can literally take a break anytime we want. It's true. Also, remember, this was, we we didn't mention this yet, this was a TV movie. Which meant you got like 30 second breaks here and there. Oh, come on. Commercial breaks are longer than 30 seconds. Back in 1995, I bet this this took up four hours on, on a channel, this whole thing. Oh, you know what? You're probably right. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> That's an evening. Exactly. This was an evening with heartthrobs, uh, with heartthrob um, Alec Baldwin and, and Jessica Lange. Um, also, and John Goodman, <laughs> heartthrob John Goodman. I mean, you know what? Say what you will. Like, uh, he is the most I, attractive man in this play. Who? John Goodman. Oh, no, man. As in, like, no, listen, like, Mitch is the most attractive character in oh, the play. Oh, because <laughs> I was gonna say, Alec Baldwin is looking pretty good in some of those uh tank tops. Yeah, no. This is uh, Alec Baldwin is a gorgeous man. This is like, um, this is like within. I forget. This was like six or, six years after like um, Beetlejuice. A- Alec Baldwin. Um, yeah. Oh wow. It's still good looking, Alec Baldwin. Not, you know, not we're gonna we have to barely do anything to make you look like an ugly old man, Alec Baldwin. Um. And then I'm going to talk like this and everyone's going to lose their shit. <laughs> but yeah. Um, what do you, have you, ever, have you ever seen like Jessica Lange in much? Uh, I don't think I have. And I like, I, I didn't know if it was pronounced Lang or Langy. It's, 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 it's Lang. Yeah. Um, how about Diane Lane? Diane Lane, I know I've seen her in stuff. I just can't remember anything off the top of my head. Um, she's in Inside Out. Who's she in Inside Out? She's the mom. 
Oh, no way. Okay. I yeah. love that movie. Also, did you ever watch House of Cards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Spacey and... Yeah, she's like one of the main characters in that show. I've never seen it, but she plays Annette Shepard. Oh, okay, okay. Um, yeah, she's also, you know, in in a really bad Superman movie. Um, she plays Martha Kent in several Superman movies, and you know, yeah, she's great. Um, I I, I quite like her in this. Um, uh, I think she does. I, I think she plays a really, really good, uh, good Blanche. Or uh, Stella, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Stella. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I liked the Stella scene because they didn't like. They didn't do a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original, which I was afraid they were going to. Yeah, the problem. The problem with that scene is that it's so like emotional that it's like a lot of these scenes in like this in this play it's like you're teetering you're teetering on absurd when it comes to the the way that it's performed like you just got stanley just yelling in the street stella um which always to me makes me think of like like something that you would see like uh oh shoot it was like in rocky adrian adrian <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but I, I remember the one big difference between this and the 1951 version is in how it ends. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the, because this is just it follows the play. What happens is uh, Blanche is carried away and Stella is crying and Stanley comforts her. And then that's the end. Mm-hmm. And in the 1951 version... Stella says to Stanley, hey, this is all your fault. I'm leaving you. And that's how it ends. And it's like, I, I, I understand why they changed it at the time, but it's such like, it, I like, I don't know how I feel about that ending because it just leaves you on such like a downer feeling. <laughs> Even more, they're like, hey, let's take this downer and make it worse. Yeah, you know that person who's awful? Yeah, nothing happens to him. (laughs) He gets gets everything he wants. No, he gets left by his wife, I I thought you just said. He gets left by his wife in the movie. Yeah. Like the original movie. Is that like... um... But that's not in the play. Yeah, exactly. No, but I was saying that that, that's, that's the even lower one not because oh he gets left by his wife but now all of a sudden stella is a single mother in like the 40s um that's not great for her how is she gonna afford that um yeah because it's just you know i've never i've never really thought about it that way but because this is just like world war ii that's true Being a single mother wasn't really like come on like like someone basically, you know, was completely ostracized by an entire city for having ca- casual, um, consensual sex. Do you think that like a single mother is getting like you know a lot of accolades when she's the one who left? No, him? that's true. No, no, he probably that's true. The the scene that you don't see right after she says that she's leaving Stanley is Stanley beating the shit out of her. Yeah, 
probably accurate. And it's just so dissatisfying that nothing happens to Stan. Yeah, but he gets everything he wants. See, the thing is, though, is that that is the most realistic ending that this movie could have done. That's true. Horrible people get away with it every day. It was true in the 40s and it's true now. Oh, especially, especially in the 40s. Jeez. Like, that, like, there's this one scene where I, he quotes somebody, but I forget who he's quoting, where he's like, every man is a king, and in my house, I'm the king. Like, that was totally, like, the mindset up until, I don't know, maybe maybe 10 years from now. <laughs> um, yeah, geez. Yeah, like, 10, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, um. What else, did you notice any other like significant differences? Um, not really. Uh, the only other thing that really like the okay, so the mit the last Mitch scene in the original movie is cut down quite a bit. Yeah, where he's going like where he's like being a dick and like confronting her about her past. That's cut down quite a bit in the original. Uh, and Stella or um, Blanche trying to convince Stella to leave Stanley is cut down quite a bit. And the rape scene is cut, like, is cut quite a bit as well. Yeah, it's basically non-existent, if I remember correctly. Uh, it like, it, the lead-up to it happens, but then you just see, like, Stanley grabs Blanche's hand and smash it against the ground and she's holding a mirror and the mirror breaks. Oh yeah, yeah. In this one you get to see Alec Baldwin's hairy chest. Um yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a creepy scene, uh but it's I mean it's supposed to be. Um uh, it's definitely not romantic. Um Yeah, I don't know, like this is the the, the thing the thing is with like this kind of play, like you know, like a um, you know, like Death of a Salesman or any of the other kind of like great 20th century theater pieces that have kind of slowly made its way into our uh, popular culture, is that like I don't know, it, it it really stirs up a lot of a lot of thoughts for me like i i'd really love to see a good production of this live um i feel like it would be really impactful to see this to see um streetcar like actually played out um i would love to see that but i would also hate to see a bad street yeah that but i mean like oh when when i was living in london i saw a phenomenal production of death of a salesman like oh it was one of the best plays I've ever seen. And it's, I wasn't expecting it. That's because you were in London. Yeah. That's because you were in Exactly. London. So like, I would love to see, I would have loved to see the, um, the, the national version of um, Streetcar or any other like version that they might do it like in a London or New York. Like, but the problem is, is that this is definitely the kind of play that a lot of like community theaters would do. Um, would gravitate to because it's a relatively small cast, but it's a very difficult show. Yeah, and that's when you would get the 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 potential overacting on the Blanche part. Um, 
also overacting on Blanche Stanley. and Stella and Stanley. Yeah. I, see, I feel like Stella would be like Stella is one of the more subdued characters. It, I feel like um, you would get way way overacting in the um, when when Stanley is yelling Stella because um, everybody wants to be Brando in that moment. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think everybody thinks of themselves as Brando a little Who bit. Did you hear my question? Uh, what, no, what was the question? Uh, the last thing I heard was you said the word what. <laughs> okay, so let's... I, I, have a, I have like a closing, a closing topic. Okay. Um, which is... Because this is the kind of thing that's definitely going to eventually get remade in some capacity. Um, but 2021, who, like, um, let's say Blanche or, and, and Stanley, um, who, who would you, who, who dreamcast for, for the Blanche and Stanley roles? Ooh, that's a good question. Um... Blanche? You know who I could see doing a really good Blanche if she could do the accent is Jennifer Lawrence. Hmm. She has proven to be bad at accents. Um, but she's really, like, she's a, I think she could, like, she could do that character. Now, as far as Stanley, I, that's, a, like, again, that's a hard one. Um, Yeah, because do you, like it's do, gotta, who do you think? Who do you think? See, because the thing is, it's got to be someone who's kind of got like we don't really have a we don't really currently have a movie star who has that kind of ruggedness anymore. Like that's not that's not the direction that like male movie stars are going in twenty twenty one. Like uh, you know. <laughs> I know that there was a production where John C. Riley played Stanley. Oh man, I would much and rather I'd see be, John C. Riley as Mitch. I could see John C. Riley as Mitch, but I'm interested to see what his Stanley would look like. Yeah, yeah, that uh, true. Um, John C. Riley would also be phenomenal as I can't think of the name, but the main guy in uh, Death of a Salesman, Willie Loman. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, he would oh, be such I could a, see that. He would I be so good that. in that. Um, yeah. See, the thing is, is that like, um, I immediately start thinking of like the cast of uh, Blue Jasmine, um, and not like the main characters, but the side characters, like the uh, because um, instead of being Polish, that one went with um, them being like Italian, like the the uh, you know the modern. Uh, thing, but it, I think that's another part of the, this that we haven't really talked about. Is that this movie's kind of like a little bit racist, um, if you will, uh, and that like everybody's holding that like, oh, like Stanley's such an idiot because he's Polish. Um, you know who? You know who? I actually think I would, I would want to see as Stanley, but it will never happen now because because he just ruined his entire career potentially. Walking uh, Phoenix? 
No, no. What did Hawking no, no, Phoenix no. do now? No, no, no. Oh wait, no. Who am I thinking? Who's the, the Ar- Arm Arnie Hammer? Yeah, Army Hammer. That's who I'm thinking of. Okay. Because <laughs> I was like, man, what did Walking Phoenix do now? Uh, he's like, never you know, done. Any- yeah, he's never you know, done that- anything. <laughs> he's never done anything that's like been cancelable but he's always been really he, he did that one thing where he was making a movie and he uh, was in character and they were filming a bunch of stuff and everybody thought he had just completely lost his mind but then the movie came out that. the movie came out with all that footage in it and they're like oh he's he's not insane he's just kind of an asshole um <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's more obnoxious than it is like than it is anything else. That's just like, oh, he's kind of a dick. All right. Oh, I thought of it. Um, shoot. Uh, you'll have to help me with his name, though. He was in Thank You for Smoking. Um, he was in uh, The Dark Knight. Oh, Aaron uh, Eckhart. Aaron Eckhart. I want to see. I think Aaron Eckhart could play a good Stanley. Mm, I think Aaron Eckhart 20 years ago would have been a good Stanley. <laughs> yeah, I actually haven't. I, I don't know what Aaron Eckhart is up to these days. Um, me neither. But like, I, so he hasn't aged in my mind at all. But like, that was 20 years ago last time we saw him. Oh, no, it wasn't 20 years ago. Let's see. How old is Aaron Eckhart? Oh, he's 52 oh, old? years old. Okay, um, that's not that old. But like. Yeah, the problem is Stanley's got to be someone kind of in their 20s maybe early 30s yeah yeah and for blanche i don't know um who are some phenomenal actresses um in today who who could pull off that that like near hysteria uh while still being like believable and somewhat sympathetic i don't know that's difficult I'd be interested to see when they remake this, but um, I'm just quickly looking up to see who the best actress nominees were um, for the Golden Globes because I hear that 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 was a shit show. Did I, you watch the I Golden Globes? No, I don't. Um, yeah, it was all like all like on Zoom, and people were having difficulties and. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. sound like a thing I would want to watch. Yeah. Also, like, um, actually, you know, okay. I know that we're trying to think of an actor, I mean, an actress. But you know who would be interesting to see as Stanley? Just because it would completely shake everything up. Is um, Sasha Baron Cohen. Oh, I'd see that. I'm just looking because he he won the he won the Golden Globe for Best Actor for Best in for in comedy I think um I don't know oh yeah for comedy and also I think it also won Best Picture also um, in comedy I think yeah I remember a lot of people were like talking about how Lin Manuel wasn't even the best actor in Hamilton let alone he got nominated for Best Actor. <laughs> I mean, uh, okay, okay, that's not a movie. No, it's also it also was made in twenty. It was also filmed in twenty seventeen. Yeah, like they, they're calling that a movie when they just filmed the play once, and it's like, okay, guys. 
Man, you know what you know what this conversation is really revealing to me? That I need what? to get I need to get more exposed to younger actors because like I keep on seeing people who would be phenomenal as as the roles, but all like twenty or thirty years ago. Yeah, like, exactly. Uh, like Francis McCormand um would be so good. Um in any I could of the see roles. her being a better I could see her being a good Stella. Yeah, exactly. That's actually what I was thinking. All um, right. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. So, so we've got a wild one for next week, don't we? We do. Next week, we're gonna be uh, going checking out some Norm Macdonald with Dirty Work. Yeah. This is apparently like okay. I've seen this movie and I don't remember if I like it. Oh, this movie has got seventeen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Just for a start, but and also a cult following. And one of the stars of the movie, not one of the actors, one of the stars of the movie is Artie Lang. Yeah, so <laughs> it's not like, Dana, it's not going to be good, but it's am... probably going to be kind of good. It's also got Chevy Chase in it. Um, it's got Rodney Dangerfield in it. It's got... It's Yeah, this movie is like... I've heard so much about this movie. Uh, it's got Don Rickle, Rickles in it. It's got um, it's got Christopher McDonald in it. It's yeah. It's got Kevin Farley. It is Chris Farley. It's got Chris Farley and Kevin Farley. How they it's, get how they get both Chris, of them? I think it's Chris Farley. Huh. It's weird because on Google, when you look up the cast, um, Kevin Farley is listed before Chris Farley. I can't find Chris Farley. Oh, really? Are, are you sure Chris Farley's in it? I was fairly sure that Chris Farley's in it. Okay, are, you sure before we go... of, are you sure you weren't just thinking of the of the fact that his brother looks identical to him? <laughs> I'm pretty sure I wasn't thinking that. Let's see. Dirty work. 1998. Oh, yeah. It it was um, Almost Heroes and Dirty Work were his final roles. And Chris, yeah, Chris Farley's in this. Well, well, well. so yeah, that's what we're doing next week. Thanks, uh, Thanks for joining us. Dirty Work by Norm MacDonald and Fuck the Police. And fuck the police. Welcome.